Well, I want you to know that I feel so blessed to be with you this morning. It is an honor to get to teach, or I'm reluctant to use the word preach, but it's an honor to be here. Last time we were... Wait, wait. First, my introductory comments. For those of you who have taken a bet on how many times I will mention a certain university, I hope you took zero because I am not going to mention it, although my one mention, and yes, I am making eye contact with him right now, here's my only mention. Oh, dear Lord, excuse me. I wonder what would happen if the preacher actually got sick. Hopefully I won't. Okay. That was one, disc, um, one thing I wanted to mention, and if your name happens to be Ben, I would love to meet you, Ben, um, after the service this morning because you and I have a mutual friend. Now, for the sermon. The last time we were together, the title of the sermon was called The Old Testament, reflecting what a creative kind of guy I am. And today, the title of this sermon is once again, once again going to reflect my creativity. This is titled, The New Testament. And hopefully, last time we were together, we established that the God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament. I hope we established that. We also established that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are both gods of wrath and gods of love, and we will develop that a little more as we go along. Today, the focus is on the New Testament, and I, I am reminded of the words that Jesus said to the religious leaders he said to them, you study the Scriptures, and remember, this was, this was at the beginning of his ministry, so this was roughly A.D. 30, and the Scriptures at that time were the Old Testament. So he says to the Jewish leaders, you study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. So we're looking at the New Testament today, and... My hope, my goal, my prayer is that we will get to know Jesus better. We will appreciate how much He loves us, what He did for us, what He does for us today, and as a result that we will fall in love with Him more, follow Him more closely, and as a result, become a better. Y'all fill in the blank. We will become a better husband, wife, dad, mom, brother, sister, friend, child. So there's your how-to. I'm, I'm hoping that today we just focus on Jesus his love for us, and what He did for us. And by doing so, if you need a how-to from a lesson, the how-to is focusing on Him and His love, we will become better 
you fill in the blank. So um, when we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, about 400 years pass. And it is interesting to note, I will not attempt to explain this for God, but it is interesting to note that he is essentially silent for those 400 years. And the Jews are now ruled by the Romans. They're, they're ruled by the Romans, not the Persians. Um, and so if you happen to be somebody who likes a list, I'm going to give you a brief list of the 27 books in the New Testament. Hopefully this will be informative and short enough that it will not bore you to tears. So here we go. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gospels, the good news of Jesus. We find out the good news of Jesus from, from those four Gospels. And y'all, some of these things are going to be obvious. The Gospel of Matthew was written by Matthew. Matthew was one of the 12 disciples. If you have seen the series, The Chosen, I love the way that series develops the character of Matthew. I love it. Uh, the book of Mark was written by Mark, and he was a, an associate, a disciple of Peter, and those who know much more about um, Mark than I do say that Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark under, with the close uh, consultation of Peter. Then we go to the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician, and he was a partner with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. Um, Luke also wrote Acts. So, fun things to know and tell. Most of you who think that Paul wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote second to the most of the New Testament. Luke wrote the most of the New Testament because of how long Luke and Acts are. Then we get to the Gospel of John. Uh, John was written by the disciple John. He was one of the twelve. He was in Jesus' inner circle, and he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Then, as I mentioned, the book of Acts is written by Luke, and it really is a beautiful introduction to the first century church. We see the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, Judea to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then you have the 13 letters of Paul. Then you have the book of Hebrews, and we, I really should give you a multiple choice test to see if you can guess who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, D would be unknown, and D would be correct. We have no idea who wrote Hebrews. But one of the themes of Hebrews that I love is once for all. Hebrews develops the, um, the thought that Jesus died once for all, not like the sacrifices that had to be offered year after year for the forgiveness of sins. But Jesus died once for all. Then we get to James and James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. Then we have First and Second Peter, written by Peter, one of the twelve, a member of the inner circle, and Peter also, Jesus referred to Peter by saying, you are Peter, and on this rock 
I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Well, the church of Jesus is alive and well some 2,000 years later. First, second, and third John written by John. We've mentioned him. He was one of the 12, the disciple that Jesus loved. And then Judas was also written by another one of Jesus's half-brothers, Jude. Revelation was written by John, once again, the Apostle John. In the New Testament, our focus is on the New Testament today, y'all. And in, in the New Testament, we meet Jesus. I now pause for effect, not because I have no idea what I want to say next, but I want that to soak in. In the New Testament, we meet Jesus. And I hope that after this brief time together, you will sense how much he loves us and how much he did for us. We learn about his unconditional and sacrificial love. We learn about his ministry, including his life, death, and resurrection. And y'all, we need all three of those. We need the perfect life that he lived. We need the death that he died on the cross in our place for our sins. And we need the resurrection, his victory over death. Um, When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's how Jesus can take away the sin of the world. Because of his life, death, and resurrection. Before I move on, let's slow down. Did I mention in the New Testament we meet Jesus? All right, Jesus was fully divine and he was fully human. Um, Verses in the first chapter of John make that abundantly clear. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and in case you don't know, in this case, the Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. He was fully divine. It goes on to say, the Word, or Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus was fully human. And now I would like to share sort of a silly story, but it, has, it, it makes a wonderful point, I think, abundantly clear. Some of you have heard this before. If you've been in my parents' confirmation class, I think you have heard this before. So, and you also, you can't be too much of a literalist here because you'll bog down in the details. So, imagine with me, there is a room about the size of a double-wide garage. This room is filled with birds, and there is no way out except a hole about twice the size of the average bird in there. And birds, being as stupid as they are, have no idea to fly out of the hole. So here the birds are. They're flying around. They're doing what birds do. They're eating. They're drinking. Because it's a confined space, they're using up all the oxygen, and they're doing other things that birds do, so the bird population is increasing, and there's becoming less food, less water, less oxygen. And bless the bird's heart, 
If something doesn't happen, they're going to die. I should have mentioned that I'm in this room the size of a two-car garage, and I, I have compassion on the birds. I'm empathizing with them. I'm sympathizing with them because I'm eating the same food, drinking the same water, breathing the same oxygen they are. And I'm thinking, birds, y'all are going to die. And so I start yelling at them, hey, stupid birds, look at the hole in the ceiling. Why don't you fly out of that hole? If you do, you will live. You'll have an abundance of food, an abundance of water, an abundance of oxygen. You won't die. And you know what? The birds pay no attention to me. And so I think, what am I going to do? All these birds are going to die. And finally, I think, aha, I will become a bird and I will show them the way. Okay, a silly story, but the Word became flesh. God finally figured, excuse me, I worded that totally wrong. God knew what He was doing. God, God became flesh and made His dwelling among us so that we might see the truth. All right, so we've mentioned earlier that He is a God of wrath and a God of love in both Old Testament and New Testament, and I, I think I need to slow down long enough to mention the wrath of God. A couple of verses that I'll reference, one is Romans 6.23, which says, the wages of sin is death, and it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life, but I want to focus on the wages of sin is death right now. So. Most of us in this room, I'm one of the exceptions, but most of us in this room either work or we have a parent or parents who work. And hopefully those of you who work are earning a wage that you deserve. Hopefully you are. Well, just for the record, when we sin, we deserve and we earn death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Another verse I want to share with you, this comes from John 3, and, I, and most of us, if we know John chapter 3, we know that it talks, Nicodemus confronts Jesus, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Um, it has the most famous verse in the Bible that I'm actually going to refer to in a little bit. But it also has, these are the words of Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. It is important to know that although He is a God of love, he is also a just, holy, and righteous God. Another statement that I hope will stay with you is the wrath of God is ultimately poured out on Jesus. And aren't we grateful that it is? We deserve for the wrath of God to be poured out on us. But the wrath of God is ultimately poured out on Jesus. And this is where um, I want to just reference John 3.16. I sometimes think every time I get to teach or preach, somehow that verse is appropriate. 
God so loved the world. That's us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, and believe there means trust, believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died because God loves me. Jesus died because God loves us. That's another thought that I hope you can remember and carry with you. So picture with me Jesus on the cross. Um, If you've ever been to RUMC's Good Friday service, you heard the seven last words of Christ. I'm going to mention two of them because at one point, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I have good news for y'all. I am not going to attempt to quote the Hebrew there. Just not going to do it. Um, But he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think the reason for that is that at that point, Jesus, who has had intimate fellowship with God for all 33 years of his life, has fellowship with God broken because he has had the sin of the world placed on him. And holy, righteous, and just God will not fellowship with sin. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he also says, it's finished. I hope for each one of us that at the end of our lives, we will get to say, it is finished. But that's what Jesus got to say right before he died. He said, it's finished. That means I came to do what I've done. That is, die for man. And now it is finished. I've died on the cross in his place for his sins. All right, now, um, I actually want to have two in-conclusions. My first in-conclusion is going to have three verses from the book of John that I just, I really want y'all to see, and um, they are John 15, 11, John 16, 33, and John 10, 10. I want you to, I want to leave you with these words of Jesus. Um, The first, Jesus says, I have told you this. And the reference there is he is talking about his disciples abiding in him, remaining in him. So he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus wants our joy to be complete. He also says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. Don't we know that? But take heart, I have overcome the world. And now, um, his mission statement. I'm not sure that I have a mission statement that I could say this eloquently, but he says, I tell you that, oops, I got the wrong reference up there. Um, That is not John 10.10. Sorry about that, Arturo. Um, In John 10.10, Jesus says the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life 
and that they might have it abundantly. That's his mission statement. That's why Jesus came. He came that we might have life, eternal life, and have it abundantly. And then my second in conclusion, um, I, just, I just want to repeat what I think are the bullet points here. In the New Testament, we meet Jesus. Bear that in mind. If you want to get to know Jesus, spending time in the Word is the way to do it. We meet Jesus. And remember, the wrath of God is ultimately poured out on Him. Thank God it's not poured out on us. And Jesus died because He loves us. Uh, Permit me to close in prayer. Um, In the event that you have a question for me afterwards, um, I'll be right over here accepting all questions and even criticism. So come see me if you want to or need to. So pray with me, please. Father, thank you so very much for the way you love us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sins. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to do so. And thank you that you came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Help us to trust you, to lean on you, to follow you, and thank you that we will experience that life and that abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. We now come to this table in the spirit of teaching and preaching. And so I today chose to use the words of our historical liturgy. So here are these beautiful ancient words of Holy Communion. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. So do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to the disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and in thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. So by your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. Indeed, Lord, we thank you for all that you have given to us to satisfy our needs. You've given us opportunities. You've allowed us to share our lives with others. So help us now to be more devoted. Keep our words and our actions attuned to your will, that we may remember our strength ultimately always comes from you. May we be the voice of compassion for those who are hurting. 
May we be the face of friendship for those who are lonely and allow us to hold those who are grieving. We pray all of these things now using the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I will remind you that we use these kits. So open the bread side before you open the juice. I'd also remind you that we're going to have two stations. We have one here. Mark will be here, and I will be over here on this side. We invite you, when it's open, to stand, come through the center, and make your way back to your seat. And over here, we will do the same. You can stand, come through the center, and make the loop back to your seat. Once you get back to your seat from communion, you are welcome to have a moment of prayer, a moment of silence. And then when you are ready, stand and sing with us.